Welcome, everyone. I am Sarah Evers Conrad. I'm Megan Scharfenberg. And you are listening to the Pony Club podcast for the month of November 2022. So we made it through our first podcast. If anyone missed it, we interviewed USPC's systems administrator and content manager, Alyssa Sands, last month to talk about her experiences as a Pony Club member, the process of becoming a chief horse management judge, and about the scandalously dandy award given out at USPC championships. Since then, we've been hard at work to get all the details of 2023's USPC convention sponsored by Stevens College Ready. It will be held at the Marriott St. Louis Grand in St. Louis, Missouri, January 18th through 22nd. It will be the first convention for both of us, but we'll have a lot going on at the event with a variety of educational workshops, both in person and pre recorded, the Pony Paddock, full of activities for the younger attendees leadership training, and an evening of bowling after that for any of the leaders that may want to attend, the Anatomy Lab, and the USPC Research Fair Project. A list of workshops can be found under the Workshops tab at our convention site, which can be found if you go to ponyclub.org and click on the convention image on the right side. Sarah, what is the workshop you are most looking forward to attending? I'm actually really interested in attending the Equestrian Sports Psychology by Daniel Stort. Uh, I've interviewed him before and I love his energy and I just think he brings so much positive energy and I've always been fascinated by uh, psychology. And then I'm also interested, obviously, since I'm in the marketing department in marketing your club center or region uh, that will be done by uh, board member Don Bellinger and also Top five equine healthcare essentials with Dr. Nathan Voris. I have been to several events where he's spoken as well, and he is always very educational. What about you? Uh, I'm excited for the horse vaulting, the benefits and the basics, which will be by Catherine Hafner. Um, I think vaulting is a really, really cool thing, uh, especially since it's one of our um, resource disciplines. And I've always been interested in it, and I'd love to learn more about it. Have you ever tried it? No. No. I uh, I started when I was younger. Um, I had an instructor that was going to teach vaulting, and we were learning how to leap off the horse. And unfortunately, she decided to move. So I lost my chance at trying <laughs> vaulting. And now I'm probably not flexible enough to do all the amazing things that all the vaulters do so um, but it is fun to watch the professionals definitely make it look easy yes yes they do so I'll just keep watching so I also don't want people to forget about the trade fair we will have uh, for shopping and educational information from various vendors and we're going to have shopping from shop pony club which I know everybody can come say hi to Megan at the shop pony club booth and we're going to have convention spirit wear that will be available for pre-sale on shopponyclub.org and also for purchase at the convention. I'm also looking forward to a special item that will be sold there. And it's still hush hush. We'll be announcing it soon on social media. So everyone's going to have to stay tuned to the Pony Club social media accounts, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever your favorites are, we'll announce it 
shortly and we'll have an upcoming contest associated with this item. Speaking of contests, we just had a Halloween photo contest where members sent in photos of themselves celebrating Halloween with their clubs and horses. Anyone who wants to see some of those photos can go check them out at blog.ponyclub.org. On this month's episode, we are going to be talking to Cat Hill, former DC of the Finger Lakes Pony Club and author of the recently published book, The Kid's Guide to Horsemanship and Grooming, published by Trafalgar Square Books, one of Pony Club's partners. Then we will talk with Julia Maxim, who was one of the stars of the Pony Club's documentary released last year for Horse Week and who has been making her mark in Pony Club for the past eight years. This month's episode is brought to you by Delaware Valley University. Delaware Valley University is a four-year institution located in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, about an hour north of Philadelphia. Horses are an important part of campus life at DelVal. All of our students have the opportunity to take equine elective courses, ride on the varsity equestrian teams, and participate in equine-related clubs. DelVal offers majors and minors in equine science and equine management with various specializations. Our two equine facilities are right on campus with up to 100 horses just a short walk from the residence halls. Our award-winning Experience 360 program ensures that all of our students graduate with real-world experience in their desired fields. For more information about DelVal, visit us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter at DelValEquine or visit our website www.delval.edu. Cat Hill grew up in upstate New York riding her first pony, which was followed by a series of Arabian show horses. After gaining experience as a working student in Ireland and in the U.S. and managing various show barns, She began freelancing as a groom for various disciplines, as well as teaching lower-level riders in dressage, jumping, and eventing. Throughout the years, she has worked in almost every type of competition, from the local fair to the Pan American Games. She has co-authored three books with Emma Ford, and together they travel the states teaching clinics on horse management and care. In addition, she has been a district commissioner, or DC, for Finger Lakes Pony Club, to help further the knowledge and passion in future generations. Well, welcome, Kat. We're thrilled to have you on the podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So I was wondering, can you, to kick it off, can you tell us about any particular horses that have made an impact on you? There's, oh, there's been so many. I guess I'd probably pick Nikki Henley. Um, Nikki Henley is the horse that took me from uh, what I would consider your normal horse loving, um, horse caring professional to somebody who was able to do the next level. He was enormously difficult to care for. He was an upper level advanced horse um, who was on many of the team lists and he was very difficult. He was sharp. He would kick and threaten and bite. Um, but it was a big, big old softy underneath. And um, he definitely changed my life in a lot of ways. He taught me that um, the difficult ones are oftentimes worth working through. And um, he he taught me how to really care for an animal that was subtle and stoic. Um, and I was lucky enough to have him when he retired. He came to live out his retirement years with me. Um, 
and was just a really special horse in all ways, both uh, professionally and personally to me. That's interesting because our last podcast, the guest also spoke about the difficult horse and the impact that horse made on her as well. So I think those harder horses always kind of teach us a little bit more than the um, perfect little angels that are out there. So um, they ask more of us. And I find that to be a really cool thing that we find pieces of ourselves that we didn't, you know, we can do hard things kind of they teach us that. Yes. So what I'm going to ask you about your pony club experience first, what made you want to become the DC of Finger Lakes Pony Club? So I grew up in this area um, and I grew up when I grew up, there was um, a pony club nearby, but it wasn't close enough. It was about an hour and a half away. Um, Red Jacket Pony Club, which was a great pony club, but we couldn't get to it. So I grew up under the 4-H umbrella, which had a very similar aspect as far as the horsemanship being first and foremost and the competition goals being second. Um, And I really loved it and really enjoyed it. And moving back to this area, found that there there still wasn't a super active pony club umbrella. And I loved that the pony club had really opened up. Um, They've added a lot. When I was a kid, it was just the traditional model. And now there's the horsemanship only model. There's the Western model. There's a lot of different aspects to it. And I really thought that this area needed a strong horsemanship um, education system that that was lacking. And so we we started the Pony Club, uh, several other women and I started the Pony Club for our kids and also for the area kids. Um, we really wanted it to be open to everybody from every different barn um, in the area so that we could uh, kind of up the horsemanship because so many places would like to teach the horsemanship and don't have time in the general after-school lessons and Pony Club opens that that door up. Well, we're always thankful when we have people like you and the other ladies who helped you start the club that are willing to take the time to start a club like that and fill a hole in an area because it's hard to cover the whole U.S. Um, so what has the experience of being a D.C. taught you? It's taught me to thank my volunteers, which I feel like I already did, but definitely every single piece of horses can't be done without a whole network of people behind you. Um, so being a DC has really made me thankful for our show organizers, for our facility hosts, for our local lesson barns who are out there doing the day-to-day work. Um, and it's also reinforced in me, um, which started when Emma and I started doing so many clinics with the Pony Club, that they're are so many articles being written about how uh, we're not creating horsemen anymore. And I truly think that is not because of lack of want. There are just as many horse crazy kids who want to know how to take good care of their horses as there's always been. And it is really taught me how many kids want to really take good care of their horses, not just ride. They really want to be good stewards. Um, for their land, for their ponies, for their, um, for their horse world, which is really cool. When you talk about all those volunteers, it's like raising kids. It takes a village to oh, it really does. do everything. So especially horses are so time intensive and everybody always loves their, all their time with it. How long were you DC for? Uh, I was just DC for the first year. Okay. Um, and just t- 
really helped try to get it up and off the ground. I'm a, I was co-DC with Jennifer Hagedon, who was an amazing volunteer, and she is continued to be our DC um, for the club and along with another woman, their co-DCs. Um, I had to step down this year because we moved and we had a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I wanted to make sure that whoever was DC was really committing what was necessary to it. So I still try to stay involved, but wasn't able to commit as much time. And um, but that first year was is, was amazing, and I think it it really helped get us off to a strong start. We went from zero to um, close to thirty members that first year. Um, oh, that's great! So it was a really really strong start for the group. So, do you have any favorite pony club memories? There's many of them. I, I actually <laughs> think probably my favorite pony club meeting was my pony club memory was our very first meeting for our local club. We did a um, horse evaluation. So we'd done one or two unmounted meetings due to COVID. We were all spread out in the arena. And then we did, we were able to do our first springtime outdoor one where we brought all the ponies and the creatures. And um, and it was really fun because totally raw, not knowing much about anything. We had this really strong group of older pony clubbers who jumped right in to lead ponies for kids who weren't as strong as they um, needed to be to be riding on their own, who hopped in and lent their ponies um, for kids whose ponies were being wild and woolly first time out of the season. And it was just really such a perfect pony club example of not um, not needing the grownups to always help, but of the kids really stepping up to the plate at a really young age and without a ton of guidance to take care of the next level down, which was, was really cool. Yeah. You make an excellent point about kids. Most of the time want to actually help other kids and, you know, it makes them feel good when they can provide something to younger, younger generation. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why we love, why I always loved Pony Club so much is that that is, is put into the national program to, to really have the older kids be doing, um, be assisting and be helping and be teaching. Cause I think they want to they really do. Well, we know that you own world-class grooming with Emma Ford and that you provide clinics, training and seminars for all levels of horse enthusiasts. Uh, what made you want to start that business? It was really organic. So Emma and I sort of got talked into doing a book um, by a couple of professional writers and by our amazing publisher, um, Trafalgar Square, which it operates horseandriderbooks.com. And they reached out to us and said that they really wanted us to do the book. So we wrote the book. And shortly after the book came out, we started having people call and say, hey, would you come and do um, do a clinic? And so it's we started by doing, uh, Emma was working for Philip Dutton at the time, and he did a camp every year, an adult riding camp. So we did the, our first clinic as part of that and um, had people who had to scratch the riding part of camp still show up and do the clinic. And we sort of ended up with more people and with so much enthusiasm that we thought maybe we'll try to do one, um, just one more. And of course, after that, it was one more. And we ended up uh, seeing that there are so many barns and so many people who want the education, but who have a hard time providing that, you know, busy barn owners and trainers 
have the knowledge and want to teach it, but don't necessarily have time in their busy lives to take out an hour or two hours or 10 hours to teach each person how to wrap a leg, how to care for a sick animal, how to do all the nutrition um, that's necessary for sports horses or for um, older horses. But the desire to give that knowledge is there. And so we found that it was very organic that what happened was people started reaching out to us first individually and then together as a team. So we started the business um, officially about a year after the book came out. And um, we've had enormously strong support since then. Um, And a, a big part of our support has been pony clubs, pony clubs, bringing us to the area to teach. Um, and we, you know, we've taught at the national convention and we've taught at so many individual pony clubs that, and we just love it, um, that there's so much want for knowledge. And there's so many people who know that maybe what they're doing isn't enough, or maybe they don't have enough knowledge, but without, um, an education system, it's hard to find all those pieces and it's hard to find the time to do it. So we go in and do these one or two days and really try to push a bunch of information in front of people, um, because they want it really. We've, we've hardly had to advertise or, um, do anything on our end to grow it because people reach out to it. I think it's really great that you're almost helping set a little bit of a standard because especially with horse care and grooming in particular, there is, you know, everybody has their own idea about where the bar should be. And just to kind of help, especially for younger members who may not necessarily know where they should be striving for, just to help provide them some of that basic information of, you know, information that this is where you you can go to. Yeah. And we really try to set a standard where when we do our clinics, um, the first thing that we always lead with is that the minute you know, you think you know everything, you should leave the horse world. There's no such thing as knowing everything and that there's always more to learn. And that it's not about money, because I think a lot of people equate good horse care with having a lot of money. And Emma and I spend a lot of time in our clinics teaching people how to do things with limited funds or limited resources, that the care comes from time and energy. Um, And sure, there needs to be a certain amount of financial input, but that is not the standard of care. And um, we've had a lot of great feedback from a lot of barn owners and a lot of trainers. Um, because we've helped them bring their facilities up to a different level without having to spend thousands of dollars to bring their facility up to that level. Um, You can take care of horses really well with a dirt floor, 100-year-old barn, just as well as you can in a state-of-the-art, you know, all the bells and whistles facility. And and we've really tried to help elevate the care standard rather than having everybody think it has to be a financial standard. Well, for those of our listeners that may not know, world-class grooming is not only a business, but also a book uh, that you co-authored. Recently, you had a new book come out, The Kid's Guide to Horsemanship and Grooming. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So we, um, it's really exciting for me. I am now a mom. I have a nine, seven, and four-year-old who are very active and who are total bookworms. And I, in a lot of ways, learned horsemanship through reading. I was a a bookworm as a kid. I remember pouring through 
the USPC manuals and the 4-H manuals and all every encyclopedia of the horse that I could find. And um, when we came out with the book, we started doing so many pony club clinics and we had so many largely pony clubs saying, oh my gosh, there needs to be a book like this for kids. And my kids found the same thing when we started, um, when they started to ride more, they really would kind of pick up the big book as we call it, which was our original book. They pick up the big book and some of that information was a little over their head. And um, so we started working, we actually started working on it quite a bit ago, but got a little derailed because of COVID on one for introductory riders or eight to 12 year olds. And, um, and it was really fun to be, to get to be working on that, that first year that we had our pony club up and running, because it felt very hand in glove that um, we, I was writing this for the greater world and also for my own kiddos. Um, so it felt very much like a, a good extension of what we were already doing um, because those kids, that age group, man, they, do they want to learn? They are just the hardest part of teaching them is that they, they want to know everything in an hour. You know, you, you go to teach them and they want, they have every question that there is about how to take care of their ponies. Um, and so it was really a fun extension um, to get to write something for them. It's a beautiful book. I've flipped through it and read bits and pieces of it so far. And we just got it in the office and it's, it's designed really well, but there was one interesting fact that kind of stood out for me. All of the kids I heard were featured in the photography of the book. They're all pony club members, aren't they? They are. They are. Yep. And I have to give a big shout out to our photographer, Mary Pat Stone. Um, she came for our shoots with, you know, as Emma has said, you, you tell, they always say no kids are, um, kids or animals in show business. And here we are asking our photographer to somehow wrangle both of them. She did a beautiful job. And without the pictures, um, I don't think the book would be as, as good and as thorough as it is. So big shout out to her. Um, but no, we, we, we worked with the Finger Lakes Pony Club and all of the kids who were in it were members of our Finger Lakes Pony Club. Um, and, and all, there's a, a couple from down at Emma's that I'm going to be terrible and not remember which pony club that they are part of, but everybody featured was a pony club member because, um, we have such a strong tie to it, uh, to pony club that, that youth organization, I think is, does such a good job of raising the standard. And those kids are so used to that level of care that when we were asking them to do stuff, it wasn't new knowledge for a lot of them. They were able to follow our instructions because they're used to doing that level of care. That's great. Um, we also have to give out a, a shout out to Emma Ford, your co-author. I know she was a Pony Club member when she mm -hmm. was younger too. That was in England, correct? Correct. And she, oh, I'd have to double check my, she either graduated with a B or an A. I'm pretty sure she had an HA, but um, I'm not always hundred percent certain on that one. So Correct, you know, do, do a little fact check there on me. But no, Emma grew up under the pony club system in England and credits it to her career. She really does. She will she will tell you that her success started in her pony club. We have been very fortunate to have both of you write articles that have ended up on the pony club blog or in the magazine. So thank you all very much for always providing your expert tips. Uh, I was wondering what some of your favorite grooming tips might be. 
So my favorite one is always the the most basic and the most simple um, is to curry. Uh, that a curry comb can be anything. And I know pony clubs sometimes cringe slightly when I say that because we really do try to teach the specific tools. But the big thing we teach kids is that your pony is an individual and what tool they like as a curry comb is going to be different. So when you go to the store, there's hard plastic ones, there's rigid metal ones, there's super soft ones. There's ones that are like, you know, have 50,000 little plastic nubbles. And there's ones that have like four big pointy nubbles and um, currying and finding which curry comb your creature likes is the best way to bond with your pony um, and with your horse that that's how they connect as um, herd animals, herd animals that are the closest friends will groom each other and will co-groom. And the um, the best way that we can recreate that is with our curry comb. Um, I always tell the story that I actually adopted a wild horse last year who had never been touched. And I spent 10 days trying to get near her and couldn't. And I finally tied a curry comb on the end of a stick and scratched her withers with it. Um, and after that, it was days before I got a halter on her and could touch her and brush her. Cause she was like, Oh wait, this person can make me feel good. This person can scratch that itch. And um, so curry, curry, curry all the time. And then my other big grooming tip that I always tell it, um, tell my kids is to remember that you're grooming their skin, not their hair. So get down in there with your fingers, feel their skin and put your hands on them. Is the, is the best way to get to know them. And that's what grooming is all about is getting to know them and keep them healthy. Right. I also, um, there's so many health benefits for their skin mm-hmm. and their coat to grooming, but also one of our staff members, Elizabeth Moyer had written an article last year about the behavior of horses when grooming and dealing with a difficult horse while grooming. Have you developed any tips for how to kind of calm down a a difficult horse during grooming or make them more comfortable or have you had to modify like your grooming technique to deal with a more difficult horse? Absolutely. The, the biggest thing I think is that we like as humans, we like to do things in order. We start behind their ears. We curry towards their, their withers. We go along their back. Sometimes they don't necessarily appreciate that um, rhythmic order. So what I always try to tell people, if you've got a difficult horse and what I do with my difficult horses is find a spot that they enjoy being groomed to, um, groomed on or touched and have that be your touchstone. So if you have a horse like my, one of my ponies really enjoys in between her front legs being scratched, but doesn't particularly appreciate her barrel and underneath her girth area being scratched. And so what I'll do is I will groom her the spot she enjoys, and then I'll move to an area she doesn't. And if she can tolerate it for a few seconds, I'll go back to the good spot. So I'll sort of reward her for standing quiet by going to the spot she likes. And I'll just keep trying to um, extend how long I do the uncomfortable areas before I return to that good spot. So she starts to learn that if she stands quiet for it, I will be as quick as I can there to do what I need to do for her health and care. And then I'll go back to the spot she likes. And oftentimes I think that's the best way to get those really tricky ones is to, you. there are certain areas you have to groom and that you have to do for the health of the animal, but be as quick and as efficient as you can there. And then spend some extra time in the spots that they really enjoy, even if it doesn't necessarily need the attention. 
think that's really great because a lot of times our lives are so busy and we're so quick paced. We're, we're sometimes in a hurry to get tacked up as fast as possible, get to our lesson, because after our lesson, we have somewhere to be, we have to be somewhere at a certain time. Um, sometimes we forget to slow down and, and actually spend that time grooming and taking care of our horses. Cause like you said, I mean, that is when the bonding happens. That's mm-hmm. when our horses, you know, are excited to see us. They're excited to get that, that pampering uh, from yeah. us. And the other thing we tell kids a lot is that because many of them are in a hurry and many of them have homework to do at home or they've got band practice to get to, um, we actually encourage kids to remember that horses are often more comfortable with the grooming session after the ride. Their skin is probably warmer. They're a little looser in their bodies um, and they can oftentimes be less reactive. So we encourage kids to groom, to do a good groom before they ride. But if they have more time at one end or the other to put the extra time at the end of the ride, because that's going to be nicer for the horse. It's going to be a better experience for the horse at the end of the ride. Plus, then they're getting to go away for the evening or you know, till the next time you come with freshly groomed. The way I always equate it is if you're going to go to the gym um, and you get to shower before or after your workout, you'd probably like to shower after. And it's a bit the same for our horses, that if you have a limited time, give yourself 10 minutes to groom before you ride. Make sure you get all of the areas that are important done and then spend some time bonding with them after your ride where you can, um, you know, help massage those muscles, help make sure that the sweat and dirt get up and out and away from the skin. Those are some really great tips for anyone who wants to find any of your books and get more tips. and check out the beautiful book that you just wrote where can they go to find more you can go to our website worldclassgrooming.com and on there we've got you can order books through our publisher Um, the links will take you to horseandriderbooks.com or you can send us an email and order a signed copy from us and we'll mail that out out to you worldclassgrooming at gmail.com And we have information on there. Um, We've got links to a lot of our articles that have been published online. And we've got information about us and about clinics on worldclassgrooming.com. And we also are on Facebook and Instagram. Emma is in charge of those social media accounts. And she tries to keep us up to date with those. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We've really appreciated it. All right. Thank you guys so much for having me. And thanks for your involvement in Pony Club. It's such an amazing organization. Thank you. Thank you. A Pony Club member for the past eight years, Julia Maxim is a member of Bluegrass Pony Club in the Mid-South region. She loved the horse management side of it so much that in 2016, she worked tirelessly to make it to the USPC Championships East in Tryon, North Carolina, where she ended up winning her division in quiz. She kept going with horse management and is striving for her HA certification. She fell in love with dressage, and after her first dressage championships in 2018, she decided to follow the dressage certification track and is now a C3 in dressage, as well as a C1 in Avente. She has also recently earned her USDF bronze medal. Well, welcome, and thank you for joining us, Julia. Uh, We really appreciate having you on with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. (laughs) 
So can you start off by telling us about any particular horses that have made an impact on you? Oh, absolutely. So my very first horse was a probably 16, two-hand, five-year-old paint mare. Her name was Australia. And we got her when she was pretty young. She had done Western Pleasure and we had just moved to Kentucky. So my mom wanted something that I could like grow up on and really learn the ropes on. So this like absolutely beautiful paint where was just perfect. And I was absolutely in love with her. <laughs> and so we started out doing hunters, which as you can imagine on a um, Western pleasure mare with lots of spots was maybe not the best choice for hunters. Um, <laughs> but she, I mean, she was really just an amazing horse. And um, she took me to my first rally. And unfortunately, that was our last um, last show together because she actually ended up with navicular, but um, she is very happily retired now at uh, 10 years old at our farm. <laughs> um, my current horse is a 21-year-old off-the-track thoroughbred named uh, Widespread Panic, but we call him Nemo. Uh, widespread panic is his alter ego for when he is feeling a little spicy. Um, we actually just competed this weekend and got our bronze medal. In his previous life, he was a um, four-star eventer with Megan Moore. Congratulations on that bronze medal. I um, understand that that is a difficult thing to achieve. I started that, haven't uh, progressed in it very far, but congratulations on that. Thank you. It was um, definitely not something that I ever thought I could do, especially not not with Nemo. He is a very, you know, he's older and he's he's a difficult ride. And I really did not know until this year that I'd be able to do that on him. (laughs) Well, you mentioned uh, very briefly about your first rally with your paint horse Australia, but what made you want to join Pony Club? Um, Well, I was introduced to Pony Club through a friend from school. Her name was Ashley Lunsford, and um, she lived in the same, she lived like probably a mile from me, which in Sadieville terms, you know, we hear banjos. A mile is basically your next door neighbor. (laughs) Um, And she said like she was in Bluegrass Pony Club, and I was like, oh, I have a horse, and you know, I need an outlet. I'm not involved in anything. I just moved to Kentucky. That seems like a good choice. And I came to the first meeting and everyone was super nice. I was like, all right, this is the rest of my life. (laughs) How would you describe your pony club journey for the past eight years? Oh goodness. It has been probably the most impactful experience of my life. Um, I didn't really have any friends in school. You know, I wasn't really involved in anything other than horses. And so coming into it, I was just very timid and really, I didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere. And as I started to progress through pony clubs, you know, I started getting certifications and that made me feel really confident. It's like, wow, I can really work on something and 
reach this achievement. And then, you know, I got into quiz and I (laughs) distinctly remember like right after school, I'd go from like finishing my assignments in school real quick and then studying really hard (laughs) for quiz for months. And, you know, I went to my first championships in 2016 and ended up winning like my, um, my junior D division. And that was like a huge moment to be like the best at something. And that's just not something that I ever thought I could do. So I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. I got to keep going. And so I just started really pushing more and more and going through every nook and cranny of the website and learning as much as I could. And I think it was in 2019, I got my HB and immediately I started preparing for my HA. (laughs) Um, I have not finished my HA, I still need to do the lunging, but um, in preparing for it, I started tutoring Tuesdays because I also really enjoyed teaching through Pony Club. So I had that online series where I would help people prepare for their HBs. I did pass everything other than my lunging at my HA just because I'd been reviewing with everyone. And that's probably my greatest achievement today is starting that program. But um, yeah, teaching has also been a huge part of that journey because Not only do I get to increase my knowledge, but then I get to go to the younger members of my club or region and I get to pass that on to them. And it really made me feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. You mentioned your experiences at championships and both Megan and I were actually at the USPC championships uh, this year and got to see your demo ride during the Saturday night event and you did a great job. I mean, you saying your horse is difficult and you just kind of made it look easy. And then I saw (laughs) one of your dressage rides, which was beautiful. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your experience this year? Because I I know you did really well. Well, thank you. Um, This year was, um, was a move up time for me. So I just moved up to third level and, um, So I came to Pony Club Championships kind of knowing that I'd be like the only one in my in my division. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to make this as educational and personal to me as possible. So I spent a lot of time preparing, but really I was just focused on enjoying the experience and growing. And so I got to meet all of these lovely people that happened to know me from (laughs) The documentary where it all begins, mm-hmm. just really crazy to be <laughs> recognized. <laughs> so I would, you know, I went into my tests and because I was just, I felt so at home at championships. I feel like those were some of the most relaxed rides probably that I've ever performed. And um, a real highlight for me was definitely the freestyle because I planned out that music with so much intention and detail with the words. Um, So it's from the Sing soundtrack and the trot music was I'm Still Standing. Um, Obviously with a 21-year-old horse to still be competing is 
pretty, pretty crazy. And the walk music was your song saved my life because um, just Nemo's gotten me through so many difficult times. And then my canter music was could have been me, which is kind of like where I am now, where I just want to experience everything and I don't want to leave anything unsaid or undone. So to be able to really demonstrate that, especially in a in the George Morris Arena, just in front of everyone was really emotional. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you were featured in U.S. Pony Club's documentary from last year's Horse Week participation. And what was it like to be be featured in the documentary and then when it came out? Oh, you know, having a film crew follow you as you're um as you're getting ready and setting everything up is difficult on one hand because it takes a little bit more time but on the other hand just like setting up my tax stall or setting up the other horses stalls the day before the competition and having the film crew pay such close attention to the little things like shaking the shavings around the stall it really makes you pause and think about like the beauty in everything that you do like from the camera's perspective, just like the light coming through the stalls and hitting the shavings and, you know, having the support of my family, you know, like having my dad's help putting up my, um, my lapis in the tack room so I could hang up my stuff. It was definitely something that changed my perspective of really everything I did with horses because the things that they focused on you know, I maybe had 30 seconds of riding in that entire thing, but what they really focused on was the teamwork and the setup and the interpersonal connections. And it really just kind of makes you realize the riding's not the important part. <laughs> right. Uh, I've heard from other Pony Club staff, they've talked about how they've heard comments from young members who have said that you've inspired them. How does it make you feel that to know that you're inspiring younger generations? Um, it is making me a little teary right now. Um, <laughs> I had a mom come up to me one in the warm-up arena um, as I was going in for my last test. And she said, I just want you to know my daughter watched the documentary and you're like, an idol to her and she's kind of too scared to come up and talk to you. And I did get to meet her, but um, like saying that I'd inspired them. And there was one girl in the audience for the demonstration who looked at her mom and said, that's going to be me one day. And it just, it hit me so hard because I remember being in that position and looking at older members of my club, like Keely Bechtel and being like, I will never be <laughs> as cool and amazing as they are. And it's just insane that not only do I have that kind of connection to people close to me, like in my club, but now there's people around the nation that have seen that and are kind of looking at my journey and my horse's journey and being like, maybe the circumstances I'm in now won't prevent me from achieving things in the future. And to be looked at that way is just such an honor and a privilege. And it's really changed 
the way that I interact, not only on social media, but just with everyone, especially in the horse world, you know, making sure that I'm talking positively about my rides and about my experiences, because you really never know who's listening. You might think that you're, you know, just some, just some other pony clubber, or you're just a member of this, or you're just that, but to people younger than you, or even people that, you know, haven't quite achieved what you have yet, your experiences mean the world to them. And the way that you speak about yourself and your experiences is going to impact the way that they see themselves and they see their experiences. So I kind of learned to be more appreciative of what I have as well as more positive because I wouldn't want to hear my role models saying, well, I didn't get that change perfect. And then well, I could have used a little more shoulder in the half pass and this and that, like, yeah, that I could have used more, but you know what? I'm really proud of the fact that my horse did a really good extension or that he was really straight on the center line. Talking positively is definitely part of that. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. You've also just been awarded the USPC Boji Reed Memorial Scholarship, which is given to a pony club member with a certification of C2 in dressage or C3 in eventing and who exhibits the qualities that Boji Reed valued most, which is volunteerism and participation in both disciplines. Boji was the longest continuous regional supervisor in the USPC history, spanning a period of 41 years, and she was a devoted pony club leader and volunteer who encouraged all young people to experience the joy and responsibility of horsemanship and competition, and she wanted each child to have the best experience possible in pony club. So what was it like to find out that you've been awarded that scholarship and what made you want to go for it in the first place? It's hard to really explain the feeling behind it because, you know, you have someone's family that is giving you resources to do things like I use that scholarship to take a class where I was, I went hiking and camping for a week for Kentucky Natural History so I have this whole opportunity because of that. I was able to do something different because their family gave me that opportunity. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for all of that support. Well, Julia, you're definitely a bright young woman with definitely a lot of places <laughs> to go. And we're very excited to see where you'll go from here and uh, what you'll do next. We wanted to say thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy college schedule to talk with us for a little bit. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love this kind of thing. It's, it's been an honor. <laughs> today, we'd like to thank title sponsor for this episode, Delaware Valley University. And we would like to offer a big thank you, as always, to our Pony Club corporate sponsors, Carrots, who is the official apparel sponsor, Shapley's, the official grooming product sponsor, The Horse, Triple Crown, the official feed sponsor, Wintech, the official saddle sponsor, and Zoetis, the official equine health and wellness partner. We'd also like to remind everybody, don't forget to visit shopponyclub.org for all your Pony Club needs. 
We have everything from gifts to Pony Club apparel to manuals and study guides. Shopponyclub.org is your one-stop Pony Club shop.